Hi there. I'm Lee Redhead, a writer and member of Sisters in Crime Australia. Welcome to Scarlet Stiletto Bites, scintillating short stories by Australian women. Our weekly podcast is designed for busy lives. Each murder mystery is short, but not always sweet. Expect twisted tales, quirky humour, imagination, and a frisson of feminism. Sisters in Crime Australia's Scarlet Stiletto Awards were established in 1994 to unearth criminal literary talent. We're producing these podcasts of winning stories to celebrate the sisters' 30th anniversary ceremony in Melbourne in late 2023. The concept designer and narrator is fellow sister, actor, barrister, broadcaster, and best-selling true crime author, Susanna Lopez. Hello, Susanna here. The outback of Australia holds many mysteries and secrets, and its vastness can cover a criminal's tracks and a family's hidden past. Today's story is Monster Hunters by Hayley Young, Great Film Idea Award and Scarlet Stiletto winner in 2022. Justice moved slowly in the small outback town of Stillerock, Though a far cry from her fast-paced beat in the city, Superintendent Rose Sprigg Collings had a deep love for the town she grew up in and, in the five years since returning, enjoyed the quiet responsibility of keeping Stiller Rock's peace. Admittedly, peace was easily kept when the job was largely traffic infringements and minor possession charges – though lately the latter were gaining traction. Some 30 years earlier, Stillerock gained notoriety for all the wrong reasons. A spree of crime resulted from an influx of drugs in the region and a cop turned up dead. The superintendent at the time, Sprigg's own father, had shut the whole sorry circus down within the year. He uncovered the dead cop's involvement in the drug ring and a prominent local businessman was arrested for the murder, though he committed suicide before it went to trial. Her dad was a hero for his remaining years and the town had known relative harmony since. Though it was history, thanks to a recent movie based on the events, the past resisted burial. And any time Sprigg got wind, drug use was on the rise, she became nervous. She remembered the intense pressure on her dad. The combination of the town's infamous past and Sprigg's stellar reputation at the city station meant a number of young police found their way to Stiller Rock. Most didn't last the year, driven mad by boredom and transferring back to the city, but still they came. Sprigg made a double-shot coffee, knowing the newest recruit was starting today. She wondered if the others had started bets on how long this one would last before turning tail. Superintendent Collings! The young man all but flew out of the chair in front of the station glasses slipping down his nose. It's an absolute honour, ma'am. No need for such formalities here, mate. You can call me Sprig. Uh, Sprig, he began tentatively. You're 
a legend in the city. I hope you had other reasons for preferencing this station, Spriggs said cheerily as she led him inside. The young man stood nervously. Spriggs sighed. Like many before him, he probably thought this would be an action-packed town. What's your name, Senior Constable? Uh, Ernest Tickle. Spriggs stared. Pam, at the desk, dropped her teaspoon. Oh, you get this far unscathed? None like that? Spriggs finally asked. Not exactly. Tickle pushed his glasses up his nose, sheepishly. Sprig hid a smile. There were different types of grit. Perhaps there was more to this kid than met the eye. This is Pam, local legend, works the desk these days, but she'll still have you on the floor if you step out of line. Uh, The two in the back pretending to work are Smithy and Kel, excellent cops, even though they think I can't see them playing five draw. Ernest Tickle shook hands and turned back to Sprig with a face so full of enthusiasm it warmed her practised smile, though she figured the kid was in for a boring year if he stuck it out. Welcome to the Monster Hunters, Sprig said dryly. Morning, Sesame Street. Not the worst I've been called. Tickle responded brightly to Smithy as the station door clanged shut behind him. He handed Sprig a coffee before carrying a cardboard tray around the room to the others. She looked down appreciatively. The kid might be a kiss-ass, but at least he was the kind that got her coffee order right. Best not let Sesame Street stick, boss, Pam observed, sorting filing as a waft of cappuccino steam danced in front of her. I reckon you're right, Pam. What's a suitable alternative? Well, I had a good think, Pam said thoughtfully, wrapping her papers on the desk. Settled on tick, like the insect, implies he'll be subtle but dangerous. Sprig looked at Tickle. Names are a rite of passage in this place, Senior Constable, but if it makes you uncomfortable, let me know. The last thing she needed was a bullying complaint landing on her desk. Nah. I like it, he admitted, a grin breaking onto his face. Sprig matched his smile. She suspected her first instinct was right. This kid was tougher than he looked. All right, Tick, you're with me. First stop of the day is to check on Mad Annie. Something to say, Tick? Sprig asked. They were driving in silence, but Sprig observed him fidgeting in his chair. It's it's not really... Politically correct to call someone mad, is it? He fiddled with a thread on his shirt. You're 600 k's west of politically correct, mate. You can't expect Stiller to be like the city. Well, I had organic almond milk at the cafe, Tick offered hopefully. I assure you, they did not. Oh, Tick raised a hand to his head. Well, that explains why the coffee's so good. Sprig snorted. Look, it's archaic to call her Mad Annie, but that's what she calls herself. She's been here as long as I can remember, relatively harmless, except for a couple of instances of marijuana possession. She forgets to look after herself, so we do a weekly welfare check. She's not known for hygiene. 
But she's part of the town, so she deserves a bit of dignity. Ready? Spriggs switched off the ignition and emerged from the car. It wasn't even 8am, but the heat hit immediately. The cicadas were already deafening, and Spriggs pulled at her collar as she eyed the trees, letting the faint breeze brush her neck. Mad Annie? It's it's Spriggs. Got a new friend for you to meet. Sprig gestured to the back seat and Tick retrieved the shopping bag of water and food. A small old woman emerged from the bushes, eyes darting between Sprig and Tick. She scratched her matted grey hair and held out her hand. Sprig nodded and Tick gently handed her the bag. You take care now, Mad Annie. Sprig lowered herself into the driver's seat. It's happening again! Mad Annie said, staring at Sprig. Like when you were a girl. What's happening? Monsters. Sprig was interrupted from replying by a buzzing in her pocket. Boss, it's Pam. There's been a break-in at the pharmacy. Sprig stepped carefully over the broken glass of the pharmacy shop front, tick in tow. She knew Smithy and Kel were going door to door to source security camera footage. No, that was likely a dead end. Most shops only had cameras for show. She spied the pharmacist, Millie, and the local doctor, Dr Webber, trying to placate a disgruntled customer. I've got nothing at the moment, Millie pleaded. But the doctor and I will have a chat and sort something out this afternoon. After a few choice words, the man turned to leave, reddening when he saw Sprig. Sprig recognised him. She reckoned Lou was about the meanest old bugger in history. Sprig walked to the back of the shop. Millie? Webb? Everything okay? I don't get paid enough for these pleasantries, Millie sighed, rubbing her forehead. I assume they've taken the usual goodies. Yeah, cleared me out of everything with high street value. Sprig's eyes narrowed. There were murmurings of more drugs around the local towns, but she assumed it was coming from the city. If the situation was getting desperate enough to rob the local pharmacy, it meant the problem was becoming endemic. Dr Webber shook his head. I have patients who genuinely need this stuff. It's not like they can easily go elsewhere. Lou among your patients, Webb? He knows I won't be bullied into prescribing painkillers. He sees someone a postcode over, Dr Webber said wryly. Spriggs smiled at Millie and put a hand on her arm. We'll find who did this. Anything I can do in the meantime? Millie shook her head. Insurance will cover it. It's, it's just the inconvenience and the violation. Sprig nodded her understanding and Millie talked her through the damage, in between serving customers as best she could. Dr Webber stayed on hand with his prescription pad, the two of them coming up with makeshift pain management plans. After a long day of interviews and forensic procedures, Sprig stretched her aching back in front of the pharmacy. Neighbouring shopkeepers had finished helping board up the window and Millie waved dejectedly as she got in her car. Long day, said Dr Webber, mirroring 
Spriggs Stretch. Don't suppose I could prescribe a drink at my place to decompress? Sprig laughed. <laughs> it wouldn't have been the first time she spent the night. Oh, it had been a while between sleepovers. Not tonight, Webb. Still plenty to do. Never-ending paperwork, Webb grinned. You're worse than me. Their first stop the following day was an interview with Lou. Sprigg spent the drive to his farm explaining him to Tick, although nothing could really prepare you for Lou. Although she'd never been able to pin anything illegal on him, he was well known for cruelty, yelling at kids, hurling racial slurs, shooting any dog that had the misfortune to step on his property. Just about everyone in town hated him. Sprig grimaced as they walked the dry dirt to his veranda, eyeing the rifle rack that sat next to Lou. Who's the new pig? Lou sneered. Senior Constable Tick, Sprig said, the old man's attitude grating. He called them pigs, but he was the animal. Her questioning of Lou went about as well as she expected, although she noted his constricted pupils with interest. He wasn't about to let them in his house without a warrant. But it was clear Lou was getting his pain relief pills somewhere. Back at the station, they ran through their information. As Sprig expected, there was no security footage. While they were waiting on forensics, all they had to go on was instinct. Lou was an obvious suspect, and from their long interview with Millie... Spriggs suggested that whoever had broken in was familiar with the pharmacy. They knew where to look and hadn't taken any cash. What about the pharmacist? Tick suggested. She said she didn't get paid enough to deal with Lou. Maybe there's money trouble. If she could sell those drugs for their street price, plus claim insurance, she'd be sitting pretty. Good observation, Spriggs said. She hated to think badly of Millie, but objectivity was key until they had more information. Information, however, proved scarce in the following weeks as forensics turned up nothing and interviews went round in circles. Sprig heard of a similar break-in in a neighbouring town and scheduled a meeting with police there to compare notes. The night before the meeting, her sleep was rudely interrupted. Sprig grumbled as she rolled over, mobile buzzing persistently. The police phone diverted to her after hours, but she was surprised to see it wasn't a work call. Webb, it's 3am. Sorry, I I know the cop shop diverts to you anyway, so I thought I'd save a minute. The alarm at the practice went off. There's been a break-in. Sprig and Kel were there in 15 minutes. Sprig was surprised to see Millie there too. Millie looked at her sheepishly. I I set up a camera at the pharmacy. I'm not sleeping well these days and saw lights flashing from the practice alarm. Thought I'd check it out. Sprig knew that story was about as likely as her getting more sleep tonight, but let it slide. Who Webb chose to spend his nights with was no longer her concern. Any idea what they took? Just my doctor's bag, as far as I can tell, Webb said. 
gesturing to the blue asthma inhaler discarded a few metres down the road. Not much in there to keep them happy for long, though. Spriggs sighed. Looks like they're getting desperate. All right, Kel, let's get to it. You two look like shit, Tick chirped. Wow, Tick, run it up the flagpole, Sprig muttered, sinking into her chair. Oh, we're running off three hours sleep, Kel yawned as he distributed the morning coffees, double shots for himself and Sprig. What's the plan, boss? Well, I've got that meeting with the other area cops the Sava. In the meantime, I reckon we pay Lou another visit. Lou proved predictably unhelpful during their second conversation, though Sprig observed enough to consider the visit worthwhile. Not only was he off his face, she spied the strap of a black bag in his overflowing trash heap, buried by empty packets of Winnie Blues. She couldn't get close enough to confirm, but it looked an awful lot like a doctor's bag. She feigned defeat as they finished their chat. Worried you're losing control, Sprig? Lou smirked as they returned to the car. Control isn't real, Sprig smiled charmingly. Can't lose something you've never had. You believe control isn't real? Tick asked curiously as they drove back to town. Oh, you'll be a better cop when you learn to let go of the illusion that you're in control. Maintaining order is different to wielding power. It's only our job to do the former. Tick nodded thoughtfully, but his reply was interrupted as a red car flew by them. Sprig sighed and turned the car around, turning on lights and siren. The red car pulled over without any fuss and Sprig walked to the driver's window. Her heart sank when she saw the car full of teenage boys and recognised the driver. They scurried to hide boxes of cigarettes and a half-empty bottle of bourbon. What the hell, Tom? Someone was in me eyes. Oh, uh uh-huh. Is that why they're bloodshot? There's sun in your eyes, Tomo, and there's reckless driving. Tell me, boys, how small does your... Toolkit have to be to drive that fast. The passengers sniggered. Sprig lowered her sunglasses and stared at the guilty-looking Tom. I catch you going this speed again. I book you, if you're lucky. If you're unlucky, I'll be scraping your teeth off the ground. Why didn't you book him? Tick asked as Sprig returned. Aunt. I knew Tom's parents. Mum died of cancer a few years back and Dad drank himself to death after. Tom mucks about, but he he works three casual jobs to look after his little brother. That kid's had a worse go than most and I'm just glad he didn't hurt himself and his mates. She bit her lip as she wondered at the destination of Tom's car. The only thing in that direction was Lou's farm. Sprig's afternoon meeting with the neighbouring town's police left her anxious. Immediately prior to her arrival, those police received reports of a body under a bridge. It was a teenager, 
and it was a drug overdose. Kids didn't know what they were doing with these serious painkillers. They were playing a game where no one explained the rules. She worried it was only a matter of time before kids started dying in Stiller. The following week, another death was reported in a nearby town, another teenager. Spriggs' anxiety was through the roof, though she tried to keep the station running as normally as possible. Uh, Righto, team, who, who wants to check on Mad Annie this week? Really, Sprig? With everything that's going on? Kel asked gently. Mad Annie will be okay without us for one week. She's been here forever, long before you even arrived in still as a kid. Sprig smirked, knowing that was not the case, but you couldn't argue town history. Uh, People in town say she did something to her kid years ago. They say she talks about her dead baby, Tick said nervously. Well, whatever people think, there's never been any evidence and I reckon she's punished herself enough for imaginary sins. As long as she's on the right side of the law, we don't antagonise her, Spriggs said firmly. We've always looked after her, Smithy. Tick, take her some water. Two hours later, Smithy burst through the door. Sprig, it's Mad Annie. We had to take her to hospital. She, she's okay. Chick's with her. Sprig jumped out of her chair. Well, what happened? He'd get to her? I wish. Smithy shook his head. She was unresponsive when we got there. Found this next to her. Smithy held up a small wrapper Sprig recognised from the pharmacy, a strong narcotic patch. Shit, Sprig whistled, sinking back into the chair. Yep, Smithy agreed. Mad Annie's part of this now. Sprig's heart froze when she received the phone call she'd so desperately hoped would never come. A body in the park, a teenager... As she dipped under the police tape, her frozen heart shattered. No, she whispered, please, no. Tom was unmistakably dead, his lips as blue as his eyes had been in life. Sprig didn't bother fighting the tears that formed in her eyes, and others were sniffling too. Smithy put an arm round Sprig's shoulder. Boss we got to get these bastards. Sprig's eyes narrowed as she looked at the small collection of Tom's belongings. She knew he bought cigarettes underage. She'd issued countless warnings. She also knew she'd never sprung him with a pack of Winnie Blues. So what was one doing here? Morning, Kel. I, I know it's your day off, boss, but you're going to want to come in. I'm... Um, I'm at Lou's farm. Someone's blown his face half off. Sprig stared at Lou's body, still fascinated how quickly the heat got to them. Jesus, Sprig! Webb buried his nose in his sleeve. Why'd they bother calling me? He's beyond medical help. He's moved to Nick Cave inspiration. Sorry, Webb. Standard procedure. Sprig apologised, covering her surprise he had been called. As you see, we, we don't need you here. Agreed, 
He's dead as disco, mate. I, I walked through the house. Sorry, didn't know where he was. Hope that doesn't stuff up forensics. Shouldn't do, Spriggs said. He was killed outside. She was annoyed, though not surprised, that Webb hadn't thought not to traipse through a crime scene. The team remained at Lou's for the rest of the morning, the heat making the already grim task almost unbearable. Sprigg was finally able to dig the doctor's bag out of Lou's trash heap and shook her head as they bagged it for evidence. Ah, it's not either, is it? Tick asked as they buckled their seatbelts. Sprigg couldn't tell if his tone was fearful or hopeful. Not by a long shot. Someone decided Lou outlived his purpose. He may have been dealing, but there's no way he was head of the operation. Didn't have the HR skills or brains. Tick smirked at the mention of brains. Wildlow's supply will be interrupted. He must have been the stiller-based dealer. All the surrounding towns have problems too. It's unlikely the big fish is here, right? I'm not sure, Sprig frowned. Sprig undid her seatbelt, noticing Tick made no move to do the same. You aren't coming in? Can I not? Tick asked, looking at his hands. I asked Millie out last week and it didn't go well. I, I think I'll make her awkward. Okay, Sprig conceded. She entered the pharmacy and walked to the back. Millie gave Sprig the routine update and Sprig made to leave after ten uneventful minutes. Sprig, Millie hesitated. The night of the break-in, I lied. I was at Webb's. He left before me. Guess I slept through his phone, but he rang me to meet him there. Oh, thanks for telling me. Any reason... You wanted to share this now? Millie shuffled. I thought I might get in trouble for lying. Plus, I respect you, Sprig. I know you and Webb were involved. It was just one time. I find him narcissistic, to be honest. Sprig laughed. Webb was narcissistic, which is why they had never gone past casual. I appreciate it, Millie, but... There's no bad blood there. On that note, I believe my colleague is avoiding you. Millie frowned. Well, he came on a little strong and got defensive when I said no. Plus, don't you think it's odd this drug stuff started up the day Tick arrived? Our world is odd, Millie. Spring waved as she left, though she tucked the thought away for later. Millie says you didn't take no gracefully. Sprig looked directly at Tick when she got in the car. Tick's ears reddened. Well, if it, if it had just been no, I, I would have taken it like sugar, he muttered. It was no, plus a few snide insults. Millie isn't as kind as she first appears. Sprig paused, having never heard of Millie being unkind. Just words, Tick. You can't kill someone with words. I disagree, Sprig. Words kill us all in the end. Sprig noted the darkness in Tick's expression before turning her eyes to reverse the car. She'd seen that look before, the look of someone who's experienced a lifetime of rejection. 
someone who had the potential to snap. Spriggs' phone buzzed as they arrived at the station. Set up the whiteboard. Tick, we're making headway on this tonight before anyone else dies. I'll be in soon. Tick nodded. Uh, A little busy web, Spriggs said into her phone. Of course, I know. I just wanted to remind you the offer of a drink stands. You're doing good work, Sprig. People who live ordinarily can't imagine extraordinary pressure. Tick had not only set up the whiteboard, he'd also made tea and started a mind map. Sprig couldn't help but chuckle. Happy he kept his head after a confronting day. Let's run through the suspects, Sprig said. Millie... Tick began bitterly. She could make a profit from the break-in, plus it directs attention away from her being involved. Agreed, though not sure your objective, Kel chimed in. I know you'll hate it, Sprig, but we can't discount Mad Annie. Sprig sighed. I know, I highly doubt she's a ringleader. It's safe to say Lou was heavily involved, probably became a liability when they realised he was using more than dealing. I think we should consider Dr Webber, Tick said, looking apprehensively at Sprig. Sprig raised an eyebrow. It had crossed her mind too, but she wanted to hear Tick's suspicions. Go on. He was at the pharmacy before us, was also first on the scene at his practice. He was at Lou's when he shouldn't have been and he walked through the house for no reason I could see. All good points, Smithy agreed. But characteristic of Webby's arrogant. No offence, Brig. None taken, but I agree we should consider him. Let's keep going. They wrapped up several hours and cups of tea later. See you tomorrow. Tick waved as he shut the door behind him. Boss, there's the one more suspect we have to talk about. Pam said gently. I agree. Sprig said it did all start with the arrival of Tick and his enthusiasm borders on macabre. Oh, he's also the first person I've ever heard say a bad word about Millie since she turned him down, Kel said. The kid's obviously been at the wrong end of some extreme bullying that affects a person. Sprig nodded, and the four of them stayed another hour discussing their suspect list. As Sprig drove away from the station, she had absolutely no doubt who the mastermind was, and she didn't like the truth one bit. She sighed, thinking she did need a strong drink. Sprigg stared at Webb's back. His head was resting on one outstretched arm and his legs curled away from her. It had been months since she had spent the night, and though it was always fun, this was the last time. She glanced at her watch, knowing she had to get moving if she was to be on time for the visit she had to make. Sprigg found herself lost in a memory as she drove one that took place just before they moved to Stiller Rock. There had been a police murder in that first town too and she remembered her dad talking to her about leaving. It was a very grown-up conversation, given she was only eight. What about Mum? I've got a choice, Brig, between Mum 
or you and me. It has to be you and me, kiddo, but we'll look after Mum always. I will take her with us. Of course, she's she's not well. I won't leave her. You know she won't stay under the same roof as us, but we can at least look after her if she's in the same town. I promise, I promise I'll look after her. I promise I'll keep all the secrets. Brought you some food, Mum? Monster! Mad Annie snarled, rocking back and forth. No, Mum. Monster Hunter, remember? Should have killed you before you were born. Mad Annie snivelled, wiping her nose. Then she started sobbing. Sorry, Rosie, my baby. It's okay, Mum, there now. Sprig patted her back gently. Her mum had never been the same, not since she walked in on her husband killing his colleague. It broke Annie's mind, that dead, young cop on the kitchen floor. Sprig remembered that too, though she was just a kid. She was her father's daughter, and she understood when he explained it to her. That dead police officer was a bad man. He was involved with drugs. He caused deaths. Her dad would do anything to keep his town safe, and you couldn't always wait for the courts. More kids would die if you waited. He told Sprig it was a big responsibility protecting the town and you had to be very careful. You must only kill if it was absolutely necessary and you must be smart about it. Sprig knew beyond doubt the dirty cop and local businessman had met their ends at the hands of her father and now the responsibility had fallen on her. She had made her difference, protected those kids. Her job was to keep Stiller Rock safe. Sprig had known Lou couldn't possibly have the brains to pull off such a sophisticated drug operation. He played his part, though. Had loaded Tom, a loaded gun, so to speak. So it was only a matter of time before he ran into trouble with his own. The death of Tom was unforgivable and, though Sprig hated to admit it, shooting Lou had been easy. Killing Webb had been devastating. Webb was supposed to be one of the good guys and Sprig's heart sank further with every piece of the puzzle that painted his picture until, in the end, it was inescapable. It was all Webb. The path to hell for lost local kids. It was his pride that gave him away in the end. As Sprig realised, he was dangling himself in front of her, clearly enjoying the fact she remained clueless for so long. She had confirmed it last night, of course. Found the drugs in his house while he showered. Sprig knew Webb was smart enough, rich enough, to have contingencies in place. There was a chance he would get away with everything he had done. There was no such chance for Tom or the other two dead teenagers or any of the kids that now faced the dark road of addiction. They didn't have the foresight to understand the endless torture those drugs had in store for them. But Webb did, and he condemned them in his greed. Sprig couldn't erase her memories with Webb, though, 
couldn't forget his hands in her hair, so she gave him the benefit of a painless death while she stayed by his side. Drugs mixed in scotch, a taste of his own medicine. She could excuse herself that mercy. Forensic would expect traces of her, given their relationship, and Webb would be given no kindness once his deeds became public. His memory would be mud for the anguish he inflicted. He would also be blamed for Lou's murder, then branded a coward for a death that would certainly be ruled a guilty man's suicide. Are the monsters gone? Mad Annie asked, hiccuping as her tears stopped. Yes, Mum, well, we're safe again. Sprig entered the police station to universal stares of pity. Darling, it's Webb, Pam started tearfully. His cleaner found him this morning. We've already been around it. It looks like he killed himself and there were a lot of drugs in his house. I'm sorry, Sprig, I knew you were close. Sprig dropped into her chair. She didn't have to feign grief and disappointment. They were overwhelmingly real. It's almost unbelievable. He was supposed to help people, keep them safe. The sound of a throat clearing at the door interrupted them. Two teenage boys were standing there. Sprig recognised them as Tom's friends. Is it true the doctor is dead? One asked uneasily. Sprig sighed. Good news travelled fast. It's true, love, Pam said, opening the door. Why don't you come in? The two boys shuffled in nervously. The one who spoke earlier raised his eyes. It was Lou the first time, but then it was the doctor sold us the drugs. He said he'd kill us if we told anyone, but... His voice caught. He's dead now, and we want to tell the truth for Tom. Tick, Spriggs said seriously after the boys left. You did a great job here. Congratulations, mate. You have great instinct. Tick blushed. You'd already figured it out, hadn't you? Well, I had my suspicions, but you organised the information for us. We couldn't have done this without you. Tick's blush deepened. Well, I hope you guys at least discuss me as a suspect. Otherwise, you're terrible cops. Sprig laughed and... Clap tick on the back. Your name may have come up. Hey, there's still a lot to do, plus the mess at the doc's house, Kel winced. But I reckon we've earned ourselves a team coffee in the sun before we tackle it. Sprig turned to tick and smiled. I've said it before, but I think I can say it sincerely now. She held out her hand. Welcome to the Monster Hunters. The End. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your feedback. Subscribe for free to Scarlet Stiletto Bites wherever you get podcasts. And do visit our website, sistersincrime.org.au.